Welcome to the Word from the Ancient Path, Stories and Sermons for the Journey, a channel of blessing and encouragement for friends all over the world to hear and experience how God speaks and works through ordinary people with an extraordinary calling. We have stories of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we have the Word of God declared through the pastors and missionaries of Ancient Path Ministries, La Iglesia Volviendo a la Senda Antigua. I'm your guide, Pastor Kevin Job. I'm very happy to be with you. Our ministry was founded by Pastors Jose Santiago and Yamile Cruz in Jovellanos, Cuba. And my wife, Tani, and I serve as chief connection makers in the United States. Our team of pastors, missionaries, advisors, and kingdom servants is dedicated to planting churches and spreading the reach of the gospel. And so we pray that you are blessed and inspired by these sermons and reflections and the testimony of what God has done and is doing in and through us. Hey, beloved listener, welcome. Hey, there's a great mountaintop scene at the beginning of the book of Acts. After rising from the dead and spending 40 days showing miraculous evidence, Jesus has called his closest disciples to a meeting. And they're all excited and they likely have a million questions when, when and where Jesus will bring the power back to God's people, all of that sort of stuff. Jesus hits them with a surprise, though. We talked about it a bit in the last episode. He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates. But then he goes on and says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so this is what we get of the whole meeting, an excerpt from Jesus' exit speech. And this sentence, which gives us this great vision about where the mission of Jesus' church, where the capital C is going, well, that's the mission that we're still on today. And, and two biblical writers give specific vision and mission statements. Luke gives us that look at the scene on the mountaintop outside Jerusalem. He was a doctor and a pioneer missionary, and he wrote a gospel and more stories and parables than any other. And the second one is Matthew, who was there on the mountain. He was a tax collector for Rome, redeemed by Jesus, and he was a devoted Jewish disciple and also a gospel writer. In his remembrance of the story, he reminds us of the marching orders, the mission at hand, Matthew 28. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Now, in those two little short passages, we have our mission statement, the vision of what we do and who we are in Christ. Now, can you imagine the awe and the wonder, well, and the confusion of that moment, the, the surprise of the vision and the realization that the kingdom was not going to be completed right away? And then Jesus leaves. And the disciples take a short walk back into town and do only one thing. For 10 days, they pray. And then there's the explosion of Pentecost that gives birth to and ignites the infant church. The last days have begun. Like never before, uneducated, simple folk are transformed into multilingual orators and preachers proclaiming the gospel and the truth of God. And 3,000 baptisms happen the first day. Followers of Jesus are people supernaturally drawn into the devotions, teachings of the apostles, to fellowship, to breaking bread, that's communion, and to prayer. And there is daily addition to the people of the way. Many people see and believe in the wonders and signs and the evidence of God's favor. And as the story continues, we see miraculous healings, we hear fearless voices for Jesus, and we experience prayer that shakes the foundations of the earth. The end of chapter 4 says that great grace was upon them all. And in Acts 4.36, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field that he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. 
The people of the way were known for their selfless giving. Everyone seemed to have a common understanding. We're on a mission from God. Right now on social media, there's a ton of talk about what's known as imposter syndrome. And well, you might ask what that is. WebMD sees it this way. It says, this term describes someone who feels they aren't as capable as others think and fears that they'll be exposed as a fraud. Honestly, it's a regular worry of mine. Whenever I marvel at the riches of my life and calling, I, I question whether I really ought to be here. And that leads me to a, a question in a broader sense for all of us today. Church, we're really on a mission from God or are we imposters? Are we disciples of Jesus or just attendees at a masquerade party? And how can we truly be on mission? The Apostle John in 1 John 2.27 wrote to encourage us. He said, as for you, the anointing you've received from him, that's Jesus, remains in you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. If we're going to be witnesses and missionaries and ambassadors, and if our anointing is to be real, and if we're going to keep hold of the awe and wonder of the presence of the Holy Spirit, we have to remain in Christ. But we have a problem, well, most of us anyway. If you don't have this problem, you just ignore this part. We, we are prone to varying degrees of falsehood. Padded resumes, puffed up social media profiles, secret sins, false humility, and all those kinds of things that weaken our witness and show that our anointing can truly be frail. In the business community in the United States, there's this tool. It's a useful tool designed to help us understand and take advantage of what we do well. It's called the Strength Finders. And there's a book to read. And once you complete a book and a series of assessment questions, you print out a certificate to place in a prominent location so that it can publicly declare your supposed strengths. After I read the strength finders and answered the questions, I printed my certificate and put it in a drawer in my desk where no one could see it. I think that maybe in kingdom building we should take our cue from the Apostle Paul and be aware of and occasionally share our weaknesses. It might help us to remain humble, like truly humble. So I decided I would make up a weakness certificate and display some areas of my weakness where I'm prone to allow Satan to provoke me to a counterfeit way of living. So here were mine. I can be double-minded. I often have impure thoughts. Sometimes I'm prideful. My natural self-image says that I'm inadequate. And I'm scared of my own healing, or at least the process of that. Here's the thing. If I'm not surrounded by people to hold me up my feet to the fire, I can easily lose hold and be tempted aside to lesser things. But even with all those weaknesses, I am and we are, all of us, still on a mission from God. And as we see in Acts, the kingdom standard for how we carry ourselves is very high. It is not cheap to work for the Lord. Integrity is required, and integrity and simplicity can be very, very hard. Well, we're going to take a moment now for a short break. Stay with us for more on The Ancient Path. At Ancient Path Ministries, we hope to carry the light of the kingdom of God into places where it is most needed, to see people set free from what holds them captive. Now, our ministry is built on connections in Christ, and our financial foundation depends on the regular partnership of beloved friends such as you. If you would like to be a covenant financial partner or just simply contribute to the work of the ministry, visit our website at ancientpathministries.org, check out the church in action, and see how you can be a part of bringing good news, connecting in Christ, and building the kingdom. And we're back. So suppose someone showed up at your church on any given Sunday and dropped $445,000 into the offering plate or just laid it at the pastor's feet and said, this is what we got from selling our house. What would we think? 
I'm guessing we would cheer and celebrate and have a dinner and call those people son or daughter of encouragement. And just like we struggle with weaknesses, whatever they are, the early church had its problems. Even before they could move beyond Jerusalem, when the Holy Spirit was the very air they were breathing, in the next sentence of the story, right after we heard about Barnabas, this happened. Acts 5, verse 1. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. And with his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So basically, they sold their house for 500000 and they laid 450000 at the apostles' feet. So, so what if they held back a little and didn't tell us? Is, is that, that's really a big check, isn't it? I mean, what's your problem? What's, what's the issue here? It, it, it's simple. Ananias and Sapphira said they were all in. The sin of Ananias and Sapphira would likely go unnoticed today. We might even call them heroes of the faith. But here's the thing, they claimed to be kingdom missionaries. And then when they watched Joseph get renamed Barnabas, son of encouragement, and be celebrated for his generosity, suddenly they lost their sense of awe and wonder. And they didn't trust God. They set aside their integrity and they lied. And in that moment, they became imposters. They were costumed like people of the way of God, but their hearts had gone astray to the way of the world. And the story goes on, chapter 5, verse 3. So Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and kept some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. And then in an atmosphere where the fire of the Holy Spirit burns so hot, the conviction of their lie being exposed as counterfeit struck them both dead. Now, ask yourself a difficult question. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ or do you just like pose as one? I mean, where are we imposters? Do we church talk a couple or three Sundays each month and then spend the other 20-something days doing whatever it is we like to do? And Monday through Saturday, what do you like at work? How's your language? How's your attitude toward people who are different from you or that don't share your opinions or passions? Are you truly on a mission from God to spread the gospel? Does the wonder of God's love permeate your life? Are you a Christ follower or are you opposing as a Christian? At this moment, I just want to take a minute and say we as the church need to confess to God that sometimes we're idle when we ought to be active. Sometimes we listen to gossip more than the gospel. Sometimes we have more excuses than excitement when God calls us to whatever task. Sometimes we hesitate rather than hasten to do what the Lord has asked. But friends, the time is short. We serve a God who is faithful, but in order to experience the Lord's faithfulness, we have to live beyond casual Christianity or just squeezing in God alongside or after our hobbies and jobs and recreation. When you can manage, even when life is confusing, to look back and breathe in the awe and the wonder of the first first apostles receiving their calling, God will connect you with people you never thought you'd know. He will send you to places you never imagined seeing. And I'm not talking about just beautiful places where you take your vacation pictures. No, God will give you glimpses of glory that you will never have the opportunity to see if you don't get real about living out the mission. If you're not on a mission, your vision of the kingdom will remain cloudy and you will likely wonder why you don't sense the wonder. 
Now, often I talk to people who seem to think that if they're not working full-time in some official church ministry, that they're not really on a mission from God. And, and I'm here today to tell you that that's not true. And I want to encourage you by giving you a great example. I want to tell you about someone with whom the Lord has given me a long and important connection. When I think of an on-mission disciple of Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit and of awe and wonder, I'm drawn to think of my good friend Steve. For more than 25 years, Steve has been a son of encouragement to me and a daily reminder of God's grace. Now, Steve is my age, but at heart, he's a big, giant, six-foot-five, goofy little kid. His favorite word is geeked. <laughs> he's very proud of that word, and I still don't know why. But here's the thing about Steve. Steve's first concern in this life is to make sure that people know that they are valuable. It was about 25 years ago when Steve first started talking to a group of brothers about how he was sensing a call to witness his faith through public speaking. And he was certain at that moment that it would be in some large church or parachurch setting. But the Lord, who does things beyond what we can ask or imagine, had other plans for him. And though Steve would never stand up and preach at Promise Keepers conferences, he became an in-demand speaker at human resources conferences and business across the United States and beyond, where he steps on the stage in packed conference rooms and auditoriums with his own unique style, sometimes dressed as rock stars, sometimes in shorts, sometimes in the loudest 1970s style shirts that you can still find in the 21st century. And where Steve speaks... The gospel comes blazing through in messages that are buzzing with uplifting vocabulary like on purpose and rising and unleashed. In 2017, he published his first book, which along with his second book published in 2020 became a bestseller. And both of these books are now mainstays on lists of best human resources literature for professionals. Another one's coming in 2023. Then he'll have the geek trifecta. He's even told me, though I have no idea how to verify this, that the HR community in Pakistan has worked on teaching curriculum based on his writings. I don't know. Anyway, he has an above-the-line photo and biography on Google. I mean, really. Start typing in Steve Brown. It ends with an E. And then watch what happens. My social media feeds explode whenever Steve is on the road. People all over post for selfies with him, and sometimes they wear t-shirts with his name or his favorite things on them. He has groupies. It's scary sometimes. I mean, really, truly scary. But the heart of the matter with Steve is that people are drawn to him because when they see him, they sense the awe and the wonder. He is no counterfeit. And he wouldn't have the first notion as to how to be an imposter. And so people who are starving for good news just simply want to be near the work of the Holy Spirit in him. Steve Brown is really on a mission from God. He's Barnabas in a tie-dye t-shirt, carrying a lava lamp, talking about llamas, and writing blog posts about classic rock. And in spite of all my best efforts to make fun of him, he just keeps right on walking showing people how valuable they are and carrying with him the image of Christ. And what about you? Whatever your daily sphere of influence, you, you can take the mission and the vision into that place. 
Now, we can't all be Steve Brown, and you might think you don't have any gifts, but you do. All of us have gifts. We've all been gifted by the Holy Spirit for the common good. You and I were made to bear the image of God and to witness to the grace of Jesus one step at a time wherever we go in the church and especially outside of it. So I want to close today by taking us back to the awe and the wonder of that day, the mountain outside of Galilee. The words that I'm going to share now are from a book called The Vision and the Vow by the British author Pete Grieg. Pete imagines the disciples just after Jesus has ascended to heaven and they start to turn back to Jerusalem. The passage goes like this. They took their first steps in silence, hardly daring to speak. And as they trudged down the mountain, the world seemed to shrink under their feet. Galilee, Jerusalem, Judea, and distant lands undiscovered by Caesar himself would no longer and could no longer contain this gospel of the kingdom. This divine assignment suddenly ignited in their hearts. It was the message of the covenant, the promise of God to Abraham, Moses, and David that all nations in earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. The disciples walked down the hill carrying this great commission and they simply never stopped moving until the day they died. Like lava flowing from an erupting volcano, they just kept going from the top of that mountain to the ends of the earth resident aliens wherever they went, proclaiming the story, the glory of a carpenter from Nazareth who is Christ of all cultures, high king of heaven, savior, friend, and Lord. And he chose us too to come to his side and commissioned us like them to go to the nations. And one day soon, Jesus will call us to come to his side again. And on that day, there will be no more going for grace will be complete. May you sense the awe and the wonder of knowing that wherever you walk, you are on a mission from God. This brings us to the end of our time for today. Thank you so much for being with us. Join us next time as we continue to explore the Word of God and the witness of His people. And again, be sure to check out our webpage, ancientpathministries.org. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Ancient Path Ministries. Until next time, we pray God blesses you richly. Go and be the church.